Do you feel moderately happy? No, I feel like I've been kissing my sister, I suppose. In the pocket for his drop goal attempt. Here he goes, O'Gara. He's done it. That surely is the grand slam. We target players all the time. That's part of rugby, isn't it? Let me know. Saxton. Wonderful pass and Stockdale finishes. There'll be more than grenades. There'll be full tanks and, and, and full shells landing on the Aviva. Grand slam winners on St. Patrick's Day. So it is that wonderful thing. It is a Six Nations week. It's all kicking off. We have Eddie O'Sullivan and Matt Williams uh, with us. Evening, gents. So um, something we won't spend too much time on, I don't think. But Joe Schmidt told the Sunday reporters yesterday that Ireland most certainly had been the victim of spying. He said he was very disappointed with it. They had stumbled upon it and they just got on with things. So do either of you want to own up to spying in your day? Eddie, you can go first. No. <laughs> I go first, but I said no. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? I'll go second, no. <laughs> Mate, I, I look, I, I think it... Uh, probably, probably around the 2003 World Cup, uh, I think there was a huge amount of it going on left, right and centre. Uh, I, I know it was. Uh, I thought it had stopped, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of... A lot of silliness was going on, guys. You know, people had to change training grounds. I know when I was in Australia, in Scotland, I think it was 2005, we'd tell them we're training somewhere and we'd, because I knew the Sydney and Brisbane landscapes, I'd ring up a school that I knew and we'd go and train at the school. You'd, you'd, you wouldn't tell them where you were training because there'd be people turning up looking at you for sure. I, I thought it had gone. Um, I have no reason to... Uh, to doubt Joe, he wouldn't say it unless he, he was sending a message to uh, one of the other teams that uh, he, they were busted. But um, you know, I, I know it did go on, but I'm I'm a bit shocked that it's still there. Mm. I'm not sure. It's it's. I think in fairness, Josh made the point that it's it's not really important anymore because the video analysis now is so yeah. detailed mm. um, and there's so much information. Like we've come so far in the last 15 years in terms of information for a coach i mean you can literally break a player's game down into minutia complement teams attack to defense and the notion of having somebody up a tree with binoculars like you know on a friday afternoon trying to see something that might happen the next day sounds bizarre you know mm. but there probably was a bit of it going on i mean yeah it was going on i think in the 80s as well um but i think it's 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 a pointless exercise now you really just back your, your, the, the data you get from the opposition watching them play. Yeah. Everybody accepts that happens. But uh, yeah, I think I, I can't imagine it's, it's widespread at, uh, at this point. I presume, Eddie, when you were training, when you were doing the captain's run in the opposition stadium, you were very wary about doing anything for the next game. Well, we never did it in the opposition yeah. stadium. That oh. was the thing. The only, the only people that went to the opposition stadium the day of a game were the kickers. They could, they could scout them if they wanted to. Okay. But uh, we always went to a different venue. Um, you just assume that, yeah, if you were there, you might get somebody be there watching you. And it, it, some it might be innocuous, you know, somebody's there that works for the staff of of the union and they see something. Yeah. And they, they might ring you up and say, oh, yeah, I just see that five man line out, you know, but I, I, it's, it's um, I think it's it's pretty pointless exercise. You know, but we, we just never go. We just used to train in the morning anyway. You, the other thing was. You usually get a slot in the afternoon, like three or four o'clock, mm. and it didn't suit because guys wanted to go to bed in the afternoons for a test game to get get some you know rest. And um, you'd usually do your captain's run in the morning. 
and you didn't often get the time you wanted at the stadium. The only time I would ever go to the stadium would be um, if it was a new stadium we hadn't played there before mm. and younger players might you know, want to get the feel of the place. But even then, some of them used to just go with the kickers and kick the ball around just to get a, a sense of what it was like. But, right. Uh, we never went and took our, our, our training slot. It was for the kickers, really. Okay, I didn't realise that. Matt, for away days, captain runs. Did you just captain's runs? Did you just assume you were being videotaped or watched in some respect? Uh, I, you've, you've sort of blindsided me here, Jay, but I, I do remember quite a funny story. We played. Uh, it was when I was with the Waratahs. It wasn't a national, a national team, and um, we were in South Africa. And uh, I will just say where it was. It was in Natal. And we found one of the, the staff had done a bit of a walk around and up in a, a box there was a video camera playing down onto the field. And uh, so we did a series of line-outs that we weren't going to play the next day because that's what they were after. And as, as, as Eddie said, you didn't show anything. You know, you went mm. there. And that was very early days. I think it was one of, only the second time we'd ever been to Africa, I think, back in the 90s. And uh, sure enough, they, they turned up with a, a line-out defence for all the line-outs that we'd done that night before, but we weren't actually used. Mm. <laughs> so so it was, we, I went up to the... I won't know the coach. He was a nice guy. And we, we had a good giggle afterwards. But, well, we met yeah, really look, you, it, it, was, it was just what was done. But, but yeah. Eddie's point is absolutely salient. Uh, there, not every game was telecast. You didn't have these these incredible uh, analysis packages that you have now. You didn't have staff that were highly trained. You didn't have uh, technology on computers to do the analysis. Like it was just a different world, you know. In some stages, there in the very early days, people were still using videotapes. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't on hard drives and things. So I, I, I do think it's an irrelevance, except maybe for a line out. But look, I think the shame of being caught, as we, as we all found out. Uh, there was an allegation against the Wallabies, which turned out to be incorrect. Turned out to be a hoax that uh, someone was uh, putting bugs in in the New Zealand uh, team room when they were in Sydney. I mean, and it was hugely embarrassing and and um, demeaning to the Wallabies. And, and it, as it proved, it was untrue. Um, I, I think there's so much to lose by doing it now, mm. not not a massive amount to gain. But I, I I'm very surprised at it. Okay. You wanted to come in there briefly, Eddie, before you well, move on? Yeah. The, the irony of it all is that we, um, I remember the uh, first time I won in, in, in Murrayfield way, way back, um, we we let a, f- a set of uh, fake dino calls behind us at training um, uh, that were old ones right. and uh, they disappeared. So I think Scotland were banking on the next day. So I, we were tra- it was a very bad weather. It was snowed over or frozen and we trained in a gym. And we left uh, a set of old line-up calls behind us in the gym intentionally on top of the bin. And we went back two hours later and they were gone. <laughs> and they insisted they, didn't, they never were there. So we had a pretty good day at the line the following day. <laughs> As I think, like Matt said, they were banking on one set and we went with another. But that was kind of reversing it, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think it's it, it doesn't make any sense in the modern game. I think mm. it's something we're talking about, really. It's more of an entertainment than that. I suspect Joe Schmidt knew what he was doing when he threw this one out there and it was all the talk of the Sunday papers yesterday. So, um, well, it's here. So France-Wales on Friday, 8 o'clock and then Scotland-Italy is at Murrayfield at 2.15 and Ireland-England 4.45 on the Saturday. Rob Carney has emerged, Eddie, as the bigger talking point of the weekend's action. He was captain and played 59 minutes against um, Scarlets. He's only played 144 minutes of rugby since the All Blacks game November 17th and um, missed a few tackles, three in total. The Dan Davies one on the um, touchline, which led to the yeah. try, uh, certainly been highlighted with uh, Jordan Larmer and others floating around in the background. So uh, give us your interpretation of this situation then. Um, 
Well, if you're looking at through the prism of what you think Joe Schmidt is factoring here, I think he's he'll start against England because um, Joe Schmidt values him very highly as a player, and rightly so. Like he's the most successful fullback or the most decorated fullback in the history of Irish rugby, and we've had some very good fullbacks in Irish rugby. But there, there is a risk here because if uh, there was, if you go back over over Rob's. Uh, playing history, he's had some terrible time with injuries. His career's been broken up with injuries a lot and there, he has struggled at times to find his feet. He's come back from an injury and he's taken time to find his form and then probably get injured again. And I think last year in the Six Nations he was magnificent because he had a really good run of form into it. Uh, so I think he will pick him, but I think there is, a, there is a little risk in it that he hasn't played a lot of rugby. And you saw that Friday night. I mean, he, in fairness to him, he called himself out on the missed tackles. He didn't try and hide from it and you know, he's that kind of guy, he's upfront about it. But I, I think he'll feel a fair bit of pressure and um, maybe there might be another little conversation before the game that was had in Chicago mm. uh, for the All Blacks game at Soldier Field. But I still think he'll go with him because um, I, I think this game, he'll need somebody at the back of this game that knows his way around and that has been there and has been under pressure. Um, and I think for that reason, he'll probably give him the nod. But there is, I would say, it's not risk-free doing that at the yeah. moment. Matt? Couldn't agree more with Eddie. I, I, I just think Robbie's been playing some wonderful rugby the last 12 months uh, because I think he feels he's coming to the end of his career and I think he's he's realising his, his days in the green jersey are numbered and he's loving every one of them. I thought it was one of his best seasons last season. Also, I think the style of rugby that Joe is playing is not based on a counter-attack. He's not looking for his fullback to catch a ball and to put three or four passes together. Uh, Robbie's strength is is his ability to catch the high ball and then to secure possession, and Ireland tend to then go off that, posi- off that possession. So his style of play suits what Joe is trying to put together. So I agree with Eddie that I, I, I think he'll go with him. I think he was always going to go. And the other part is, what's your alternative? Um, Jordan is coming along nicely, but is not at that standard yet. Um, I think he's got some positional problems in defence in particular. He's just out. He'll get there. He'll get better. He's improving. He's a great great kid, and he's, he's certainly not far behind. But I, I think he'll go with him, with Carney. But as, as, as uh, we've just stated there, as Eddie said, because he hasn't played much rugby, there's, there's some... There's some uh, possibly some back uh, backfiring that could happen. Mm, okay. What are the other big selection issues then? Centre seems to be the other one people are discussing at this point, Eddie. I don't think it's that complicated, to be honest, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I would think, and again, I, from historically, Joe tends to go with Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose in the centre. Um, there's an argument for Bundy, I key, but I think why I would plumb for for uh, there's no question about thirteen. It's 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 um, Gary Ringrose in my mind. He's playing mm. fantastic rugby, um, but the twelve slot. I think Robbie Henshaw can do what Bundyaki does. He can get you over the game. He's a big man, but Robbie's got I think that little extra football in him. Um, you can use him as a playmaker, um, and then the fact that you have Johnny Sexton, Robbie Henshaw, and and, and Gary Ringrose playing together in Leinster. Um, there's that kind of cohesiveness that you generally wouldn't get international level because the odds of having three players from the same club in the centre. Mm. So it all points to me. I think it's, it's not a big discussion, really. Right, okay. I mean, it doesn't mean... I'm not talking down Bondiaki. I think he's made a fantastic contribution. But I think 
he his best contribution might be off the bench, but he mightn't get the bench slot because he doesn't cover cover enough of positions. Mm. But yeah, so he might make the, the twenty three. But I can see that can see the logic in the discussion. But I, I I still think Henshaw is a better bet. Okay, Matt, does it depend in in your opinion? Is it those two locked in, or does it depend to some extent what England do as well? Because they have a few decisions to make now in the um, centre with Manu Tuilagi coming back. Um, to me. I'd be with Eddie one hundred percent. It's it's a non discussion for okay. me. Uh, you look at the teams and there are teams within the team. Your back row, your front row, your halves, your centres, these are combinations and we use that term so often we forget it. And I just think Henshaw and Ringrose are the best combination for Ireland at the moment in that position. And again, He's done. He's played better than I thought he could, and he's he's uh, continued to perform brilliantly. But it's a bit like the uh, the situation up until last week with the second rowers. You know, they, they there were four second rowers that weren't going to fit into three. Now two of them are injured, so there's a change. But I think I think with everyone fit, um, Bundyaki's the, the unlucky player there. What do you expect England to do in the centre, Eddie? Will it be all beef? Will it be Tuilagi and Teo and smash Ireland to pieces? Or will Slade play there? What, how do you see that one going? I think my expectation is that if you look at how Eddie Jones' hands are tied at the moment vis-à-vis the players available to him, uh, his selection is going to be about physical attrition and, and physical confrontation. Mm. Like The starting point for me is the selection. If you pick the best 15 players of the two squad, the two teams, I think... England might get two on our team. They might get two. They might they, they, they get probably you could argue Billy Vinopola and you could argue Mario Toje. But I don't see like you could argue, you know, if you were playing um Farrell at ten, but that means leaving out Sexton, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy that. Mm. So really we are a better team than them. They get very few players on our team. Um for that reason, Eddie's hands are tied with his back row. He he doesn't have an open side. Sam Underhill was his get out of jail card yeah. open side, he's gone. Uh so I think his centre partnership again. He he wants Farrell on the field, uh, but he's used Farrell at twelve more than ten. Even though Farrell is his best ten, but he doesn't have it. He doesn't have an outside centre. Then he bumps Tulangi or or, or um, uh, Ben Teo to to outside centre. So I, I think he might just go like if he's physically he might go with Farrell, uh, Tulangi and Teo in the middle of the field and just go like like uh, bats out of hell physically yeah. in attack and defence. Um, I don't think he can beat us playing rugby. I think we're a better rugby team. Okay. And I think, and then the pack he has is again has got physicality written all over it. So I would think it's going to be a hugely physical game. And for that reason, I think he'll go route one rugby um, and try and basically beat us up. And it's possible, but I don't believe they have the horse. I think we we can match them at that as well. Mm. So I think Eddie Jones has a lot of headaches coming into Dublin. Um, and I don't see any obvious solutions to them. I think the back row is another one. The big question for us is: Do we go, or does Joe decide to go with, with uh, uh, Josh van der Fleer uh, over Sean O'Brien? And I, my inclination is to go with an open side because they don't have one, and that gives us an edge in the back row. Mm. Uh, but it, maybe if he's expecting a brawl, he might go with Sean O'Brien. You know, yeah. Um, because the English, English back row will, will will be a brawl. They, they don't have an an, an out and out Lucy. Mm. So they're all the kind of pressure points that I think. Eddie Jones, his hands are tied. He, I don't even he can now do us in those areas. And even the lineout um, with Devin Toner in there now and James Ryan mm. uh, um, and O'Mahony, I think 
you know, the, our lineup is better than theirs, per se, even though they have, I told you. And we got them called two years ago in Dublin in that game, you know, Peter Manny stole that key line out. So, look, I, I just, the, I, I've been dicing this for a few days, obviously, and I'm just trying to find, if I was Eddie Jones, I would be feeling very uneasy about this one in terms of how do I break down Ireland? Because I'm not sure he has the, the players to do it. And that's that's my, my honest opinion. It's mm. a hard thing for maybe someone who supports England to take, but I think we're just a better rugby team at the moment. Is that how you read it, Matt, then? Is, is Eddie Jones looking at this game and, and um, coming to the conclusion, I'm getting my biggest, most physical team on there because it's the only chance we have to beat this Irish side? His, his problem is that, for, for me, when he lost Underhill, uh, he must have sat there that night and gone, oh, no, because when Underhill's performance against Leinster for Bath was exceptional mm. and it rattled Leinster, it, they couldn't get their game going. They did win the game but they couldn't get into top gear. And he must have seen the way that if I can rattle Leinster, maybe I can rattle Ireland. And uh, when he has lost that, you then got to say, well, how else am I going to rattle them? Where am I, where am I going to attack them? So he's got to get the game line, and he must have watched New Zealand and Ireland. Obviously, he did, and New Zealand couldn't get the game line. New Zealand forwards couldn't get the team on the front foot. So... Again, he comes back to Eddie's question, you know, where, where do I turn here? What do I do? So did, have you got someone that's, that's silky and sparkly that's going to twinkle toes their way through like, like Ringrose can? He hasn't got it. So the only thing he's got, he's got some big, tough, hard dudes. And he has said it in his press conferences as, as much as I don't believe a word Eddie says in his press conferences, but he talked about, you know, the brutality and the physicality is going to be like that. And that's, to me, you know, what card has he got to play? And that's that's the card he's got to play. He has got some very big, some very physical guys. Mm. And he's going to try and choke a game to get the game line, to get the three points, and somehow to stop Ireland scoring tries. Uh, like New Zealand did, they only scored one try. But Ireland have been scoring some tries last year. They, they can have... They can have dry patches. That's going to be his modus operandi. So I think rather than an open, free-flowing game, we're going to have a pretty dramatic, mm. tense, but very physical game. Ironically, given um, what you've uh, outlined there is a fairly agricultural and simplistic style of rugby, John Mitchell, their defence coach now, has uh, just been speaking on Five Live from the training camp in Portugal. And... He was asked how Ireland are going to try and beat England, and he said, they'll try and bore the shit out of us, was his uh, response. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, hot off the presses. Bore the shit out of us, lads. That's what they're going to try and do. John Mitchell. Well, he's a Kiwi, basically. You know, he's done a little bit of travel, Johnny. But he lived in Australia, so he's a Kiwi, so he's, he's called a spade a spade. He's, uh, look, it, 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 it's... Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's boring rugby, but it's, it's successful. And you know what? It, it, what I've, I've got to give Joe so much credit for this. Everyone copies New Zealand uh, attacking style, their, their system where they're putting their flankers out in the, in the five-metre line and then you have the tight five in the middle. Everyone around the world is copying it. Leinster and Ireland don't. They have, they're doing their own style. And they, if you watch Leinster play that first half against Toulouse, it's the same thing. They just got the ball, put it up their jumper, and just Toulouse didn't have any possession. They just couldn't get the ball. And that's what Ireland do to teams. They get the ball, 
Joe's team will get the ball and just won't give it back to you. And it's not pretty. It's not sort of, wow, how scintillating is that? But, mate, is it effective? It is really, really effective and successful. And, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't say the same thing in the same way that John John did. I actually said it was boring once and I got slammed by everyone in Ireland. So. Well, now it, was, it was about 30 seconds after they'd won the Six Nations against uh, Scotland, to be fair. <laughs> no, it was against Wales. Wales, yeah, yeah. Brilliantly against yeah. England. It was against Wales. It may not have been the perfect moment, but... Um, yeah, yeah, it probably wasn't. But uh, the point stands and you've stood by it. Ironically, um, Eddie, you look at the possession stats. So Ireland lead the way in the Six Nations last year. They've held, they held onto the ball for 23 minutes, 15 seconds and... Mitchell expands on that. You know, they'll hang on to the ball forever. They'll wait for a mistake. Oh. So Ireland are averaging 23 minutes, 15 seconds of possession a game. Like England are next in line with 22 minutes. It's not a gulf yeah. either, you know. No, it's not a gulf. No. Um, will, will, is, is Irish rugby, do you suspect, uh, dismissed as quite boring? Well, I think the boring quip is to do with the fact that Ireland and Matt pointed it out as we hold on to the ball ridiculously long periods of time. You know, mm. we can hold on to the ball for 20 or 30 phases and needs be. And sometimes for five or six of those phases, we're going nowhere, but we're just taking it up, taking it up. And our ball retention, our breakdown work is superb. It's very hard to get the ball off us. Um, that's boring, maybe. Uh, it's not so boring if you're having to make all those tackles, by the way. So I, I think that's the problem England will have is can they make enough tackles uh, to stop Ireland getting over the gale and not give away penalties? Mm. So there's two there's two ways to, to, to go after Ireland that might give them some dividends. One is their exit strategy with with the ball has got to be they've got to keep Ireland out of their half because Ireland don't run from deep that much. They don't take massive risks in their own half. They usually use contestables, uh, even against long kicks. Um, so if you can get Ireland to build try to build from outside their outside inside their own half and very aggressively hold the game line. And then be patient. Mm. Like there's no point in making, you know, defending ten or fifteen rocks and then giving away a stupid penalty by falling on the wrong side. Mm. And that's why a lot of Ireland scores or field positions come with the fact they're holding on to the ball, they're pounding you, pounding you, and then somebody goes off his feet at the rock or goes on the wrong side or does something silly, um, and penalty, and then they ping it down to twenty-two, and now you don't get out. They choke you alive in the twenty-two and they get a score. Yeah. And a lot of the problems for teams starts a lack of discipline or giving Ireland possession. In their in 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 their half, and about in the uh, Ireland or in the opposition half, they don't leave without something usually. Mm, mm. So they've got to find a way of finding grass in the backfield and forcing Ireland to kick out of their half and then hold on to it. Do play Ireland at their own game. Mm. Like and Leinster, Matt is right. Leinster are the same. Like if you think back to the game that, and I keep thinking this game is like Connacht blew the game up on the RDS against Leinster, mm. and uh, like I happened to be talking to Jimmy Duffy a few weeks after, and he said, yeah, that they were. They were screaming in the in, in the uh, in the coach's box, and, you know, not to kick the ball to Leinster and let him come back at him. Yeah. They put the ball in the stand, make Leinster win a lineout, like slow the game down, uh, and they do need to break Ireland's tempo. So I I think England's exit strategy has to be really strong, make Ireland play out of their own half, which they don't like doing, and be a very aggressive at the point of contact, and be very disciplined also that you don't give Ireland an easy entry point or beachhead in your half. Because they generally don't leave without something on the board. Mm. Um, on the um, on the breakdown point, so you know Ireland are averaging maybe 130, 140 rooks a game, uh, Matt. And you mentioned the loss of Underhill there, and he's hugely important. And we've seen Eddie dream up some interesting ideas about how to go about business at the breakdown uh, last year, and it really came a cropper in uh, Murrayfield. 
How will he handle that then? If that's the key to Irish success, their efficiency at the breakdown across 130, 140 rooks per game, that you just can't seem to get the ball off them. What is the best way, do you think, for this English side to counter that? Do they, do they go in at the breakdown or do they leave it to Ireland and just worry about making tackle after tackle? Eddie uh, Jones is a workaholic. Like you, you know, he he really literally um, works twenty hours a day. He's quite extraordinary. You know, he's, he's pushed himself into illness. He's had a slight stroke a couple of years ago because he just does. He's a, we use that term workaholic. So, he, but that, that's what he does. Now I know Eddie. He will look at all of. Um, Ireland's recent games and who had relative success against Ireland. And he'll pick up, and it's exactly on, on Eddie O'Sullivan's point that he just made, Australia had great tactics against Ireland. They kicked long, they didn't kick the touch, mm. and they got Ireland in their half with the ball. And that put Ireland under pressure. But Australia did exactly what Eddie just said. They had terrible discipline. They gave away, I think, in those, in those three games, 23, 23 penalties uh, in two games, I think the last two games. And, and that allowed Ireland to kick down. So he'll take one part of that. He'll kick long. He'll, he'll do that. He, he'll also know Ireland like to base their, uh, their attack off a set play. They love scrums, you think they scored, they scored a try from the line out, they scored a try from scrums, they love their set plays. So he'll try and deny them those set plays. The second part they'll do is they will commit no one to that ruck. They'll make a tackle, they'll do what New Zealand did, which was pretty pretty effective, except for that one try off the line out. New Zealand had great line speed, bashed them low, got them to ground, let Ireland put three or four in to protect the ball, don't put anyone else in, and just keep doing it and keep doing it. The trouble with that scenario is you've got to do it for 120, 150, 160 tackles a game mm. and not give away the penalties and that's very, very hard to do. Very hard to do because you don't have a seven in there that's contesting. Your, your centres are not really people that contest for the ball. You've got one or two uh, Tojay in particular is brilliant at it but not a lot of the other guys in that English side are great turnover merchants. So it, again, it comes us back to that point. You're going to have a physicality. Line speed and physicality will be your number one go-to. Yeah. Uh, and playing the game in, in Ireland's half. Uh, we're stream- a, Sorry, Eddie, go on. Yeah. To follow on on Matt's point there yeah. is that there's a double-edged sword about not contesting at the rock. And that not contesting means the ball is available very quickly. Yeah. And if the ball is available quickly, it's very hard to set your line and bring that aggressive defence to win the collision on or at least at least if not their side of the gain line, on your side of the gain line. So that's the conundrum, the trade-off. Don't contest the rock, but how do you slow it down? Because that rock could be a one-second rock and you can't get off the line. Mm. And if you do contest it, when do you contest it? Like You can't go after every rock. And then, if you, as Matt said, if you do contest it, you cannot give away a penalty. That's a gift from heaven. So it's a, it's a tricky one to balance. And I think... My expectation is that England will be extremely aggressive in the tackle, try and win the collision mm. and, you know, get people on their feet and get off the line again and get off the line again. But that's hard work. It's yeah. hard work when you go through the number of rocks I'm prepared to go yeah. through. It's something Leo Cullen said about Bath, not to underplay what Underhill did, but they won the collisions as well in the tackle. And he, and he beefed up that Leinster midfield 
for the return leg. So maybe that's something England will try and do as well. Uh, we're streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Periscope. Uh, various comments coming in. You can win um, the Heineken Star comment at the end of the week. John Walsh reckons Henshaw will start at 15. Remains to be seen. Um, uh, fairly clear, Eddie's um, cut this up in various ways and can only see an Irish victory, it seems, Matt. Uh, before we move on to the other games with the Vunapola's back and Tuolagi, even all that English heft doesn't have you too worried? Oh, no, it has me worried, for sure. Um, I think, you know, Eddie uh, Jones at their training camps has been working a lot on wrestling. They've had a few injuries at training camps and the clubs have blown up a bit about it, the English clubs. But he's also worked on their fitness and their wrestle. Now, rugby league... Um, every club in Australia in rugby league has a wrestle coach. And he's brought that in to do exactly what Elias Oldman just said, that, that one man in that tackle is going to try and make it an absolute dockyard brawl. Mm. To, not to necessarily win the ball, and that would be a great bonus, and of course they'll try it, but to buy time. Okay. And, and this, is, this England side last year, this is a much better England side than the England side last year. I think they're going, they've, they're going to come... They've been humiliated at Twickenham last year, and they're coming here with, with revenge in mind, for sure. And I think it's going to be a very, very close game. Ireland are a better team, and I think it's an excellent... Their, their mindset is excellent. There's nothing about this Irish side where you're going to say, oh, they're bragging, they've lost their, they lost their way, you know, they're, they're in front of themselves. They're not. They're very level-headed. They're on the ground. They're hungry. You can see the way the clubs have, pre- have performed. They're hungry. I think it's going to be a great game, but I, I certainly believe Ireland will win. OK. Uh, France-Wales kicked it all off on the Friday night, which is a great way to kick things off. Friday night lights. Um, the Welsh fitness news was good today. Ross Moriarty has been past fit. Liam Williams is back as well. Gareth Davies as well. Dan Bigger too. Um, like, in some respects, this is Gatlin's last Six Nations as well, obviously. The tournament shapes up rather nicely for them. They come in in good shape, second in the Six Nations last year. A good November. They beat Australia for the first time in a decade. They beat... South Africa, and if they can get over, and that is the if, if they can go, get over France, then the rest of the tournament does open up nicely for them. We've made that point. Italy the following week, then a gap week, then England at home, then a gap week, and then um, Scotland, and which obviously will be tricky, and Ireland at home. So getting over that first hurdle, suddenly the whole thing does open out quite nicely for them. It was, it was a point Gatland made um, last week. So your thoughts on Wales, Matt, and then with France as well, if I can throw a double question at you, if you can remember uh, the clocks against us. I was looking from their um, squad uh, last year. So of the team that played Wales in the last game last year, eight of those starters are gone, and then another six of the squad members, so 14 of the 31, are uh, gone. Is this, this young French talent coming through, or are they in a bit of disarray? So Fra- uh, Wales and France for us. I think France are, uh, are a hugely improved side from where they were last year. You know, they had all the diabolical actions they did up at Murrayfield after the games. They blew three games, I would suggest to you, with just outrageously poor discipline. They should have beaten Ireland and should have beaten Scotland and should have beaten Wales, without doubt. And they didn't. They, they lost those games through ill discipline and up until they played Fiji the other week, I would have said they made, or in November rather, they made huge progress. They played really well in New Zealand and the scores didn't reflect how well they played because New Zealand were running three or four tries in that last 10 minutes and the scores blow out in one game, there was a red card. I, I really hope, for the good of the tournament, I want France to do well because 
We, we need France to be strong. I think this team has turned around. I don't think they're, a, they're not in any way an, a great French side compared to the teams they were putting out uh, 10, 20 years ago. But they're going to be competent. Now, I think this is a very, very big night. It's going to be a very hard night to pick because it's, gr- it's a very good Welsh side. Forget the Welsh provinces, what they've done. The Wales can assemble 23 to 25 really good players, and they will, and they'll be a handful. I think it's going to be a really good game. Whoever wins it will get a springboard going forward. And if Wales do, they've got a really good shot to, to uh, win, win a tournament. I don't think they'll win a, a Grand Slam, but to win the tournament, mm. they're not going to be easy to, to throw over. But France, if they can get through this first game, where they didn't last year, they lost games by a whisker uh, last year. If they get through this first one, they're going to be a really difficult team to play against coming through. I, I think it's a really fascinating night's rugby. Yeah. Eddie, what's your sense of those two? Yeah, I, I think um, it's a huge game for Wales on the basis that I think if they can, they know if they can win in Paris, they will be fencing their chances with Ireland and England in Cardiff. Mm. Certainly Ireland, the last game, they could they, they will see Grand Slam territory in front of them. Um, I, I'm still like, it's, it's the old cliche about France, we don't know. We really don't know. I mean, they they did blow games last year by lack of discipline. Um they tend to have these sweeping changes. Then, like that's you know they keep putting their 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 eggs in the youth basket. But like it's a few months out of a World Cup, and how do you make how do you have such a big turnover in your squad in that time? Yeah, I think they have issues with who's out half. Um, for them, they've they've lots of stuff. You don't know where they're going. I'm not and, sure and, they know and, where they're going. And, and who is out half? Like this time last year, they were throwing in. Was it Anthony Bellew, the the Toulon yeah. Toulon out half? He yeah, was thrown yeah. into that Ireland game and got injured early on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, now he was playing well in that game. I mean, had he stayed on, it might have been a different result. Yeah. But you know, they they tend to go back to Trent Dock, who's a guaranteed going to screw things up at some point. You know, <laughs> um, like he did it in Munster last year. I predicted he came off the fence. I, I came off the bench. I said that's Munster will get a break here, and then surely Conway was under the sticks. Yeah. But like, I just I think France. Yeah, we well, you know on a day France can get you. I'm not saying they can't get Wales or even Ireland. On a day they can get you, but they can't get. Everybody over five days, that's like it's not, they're not able to do it. They haven't been able to do it for years. Mm. Like they've been swanning around the bottom half of the Six Nations for the best part of ten years now, and there's no end in sight. So I think Wales, on the other hand, see, look, this is it, lads. We go to Paris, and we beat Wales, or we beat France in Paris on Friday night, yeah. and the Grand Slam is on. Like they'll back themselves away against Scotland, but and they'll certainly back themselves at home against England and Ireland. So I think that's a it's a pivotal game for Wales, and for that reason, I think Wales will get it done. I I, I just have a, have a good feeling. If they don't, then I know a different type of pressure comes on them. Yeah. And but certainly Wales respond to those sort of opportunities. We've seen them over the years when they get a sniff of a Grand Slam, they rarely leave it behind them. Mm. The thought of a Grand Slam decider March 16th in Cardiff would be uh, quite something. And then um, on Saturday, we'll kick things off at Murrayfield. So Scotland are there for the opening two weeks. Obviously, Ireland to come in week two. I was reading um, over the weekend a few pieces. Sergio Parise, he's uh, now played 134 tests and it must be the worst stat of all, but he has lost 100 of them. He's lost more uh, test matches than most people have played in. And um, he's going to match O'Driscoll's record, 66 Six Nations uh, matches when um, he takes the field against Murrayfield. And in fact, he'll overtake O'Driscoll, excuse me, he'll overtake O'Driscoll against Italy and he's on 1-3-4 caps with Richie McCaw's 1-4-8 very much in touching distance so 
Um, we'll be keeping an eye on how he's going at 35 years of age now. On um, Scotland, Matt, uh, obviously we're, we've seen where Glasgow and Edinburgh are in the Heineken Champions Cup. Um, they, I mean, they lost Wales and set, well, the Wales game was a curious one, but they lost to South Africa as well in November. And they were built up as the big dark horses. They were the most talked about dark horses of dark horses last year and then started abysmally against Wales, that 34-7 defeat in uh, Cardiff, recovered to a point. So I'm wary of getting too excited about Scotland again as the dark horses. Yeah, I don't think we should until they perform. Um, they have certainly made progress. You can see their players at club level having made, made progress. You know, I, I think they talk it up a bit too much because they just everyone in Scotland is just so desperate for for something positive to talk about with their rugby. And obviously, their clubs making the playoffs of the Heineken Cup is is tremendous. But they're desperate for something to happen with with the national side. And you know, they they have really. You know, they've deceived, really. They've deceived. They, they haven't finished well. When, even when they came to, uh, to the Aviva last year, they, they butchered uh, three tries mm. and threw an intercept try for Ireland. So there was four tries missing. Now, you can't, you can't be that inexact on a rugby field. You can't be that inexact. Yeah, Schmidt, Schmidt made um, the point um, at the Six Nations launch last week that people have maybe overlooked the extent to which Scotland really caused Ireland trouble but just didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, well, they did, and and that's what I mean. They 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 could have won that game quite easily. Mm. As I said, there was a, I think they had a, a um, two or three on one, for a try, three times and blew it. And one of those was the intercept. If the pass that uh, the, the, the was, was intercepted by Jacob Stockdale, had that gone to hand, Ireland were in a lot of trouble. Yeah. But but you know and. But they didn't, you know. If, if I if I if I was six, if I was another foot taller and twenty stone, I'd be a second row. But I'm not. So you you know you you just got to do with what they they've done. But they've done that consistently. Doesn't mean they haven't got talent. Finn Russell's played some really good rugby over in France. Um, they can and, and they're playing Italy now. Look, you know Sergio Parisi was a great player. Uh, he's no longer a great player. I, I find it. I've a great respect for the guy. Really. He's been a wonderful player, but he's not. He's a shadow of his former self. He shouldn't be playing international rugby. It's only because Italy are so weak, and I don't take any joy in saying that. Italy's defence at international level, I'm talking about T1 international level, is, is really unacceptable. And that's what they've got to fix up. If they don't address how appalling their defence has been for 12 months... Um, they'll they'll get hockeyed again in every game. They actually scored some good tries last year. Their attack was passable, but their defence was just deplorable. When they played Ireland in Chicago, I'm not joking. I had to turn the TV off. I could not watch it. Uh, it was it was just I just it was a joke. And they did that in the Six Nations last year. Their defence was simply unacceptable. And I find it really hard when guys stand there in the national anthem, they cry, they grab the, the national crest and they squeeze it and they carry on, then they don't tackle. I, I find that there's something wrong and that's got to be addressed or they'll just get smashed. Okay. Um, Eddie, we don't have time to get into Scotland with you, but there's plenty of time over the next few weeks, obviously. Thanks a million. Enjoy it. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball.